Okay, good evening, everyone. We're uh, here to learn Rabbi Mubachia's Pirushim on Parshas Yisrael. And I want to start with something which is found here in the Hagadama, in the introduction, the prefatory paragraph, paragraphs of Rabbi Mubachia to his Pirushim Parshas Yisrael. As I've mentioned to you before, the way he works in his Pirushim, he always starts with an introduction. And it's sort of like a lead-in to what he's going to discuss in the first Pesach, and it's virtually always based on a proverb, a Pesach in Mishle. And the Pesach in Mishle, which he begins Parshas Yisrael with, is Marpe Loshen Eitzchayim. The, the uh, Marpe Loshen, the healing power of the tongue, is the tree of life. V'salaf Bashever Baruach, by one who... Who, uh, who distorts it, brings a breakdown of the spirit. And he goes on to speak about how the, what does it mean, Marpel Loshain Eitz Chaim? That the Loshain is going to be healing. What's Marpel Loshain? Loshain Marpel Chayli Hanefesh Urufuasa El Yaina Al Kalyasar Harafuas. The Loshain can heal the illness of the soul, and it's the ultimate healing. Because other you use herbs and medicines, will it work? Won't it work? Even if they do work, what does it do? It, maybe it takes away the illness, but it doesn't bring life. It just takes away the illness. It takes away the negative thing. The tongue is not possible, it's certain, and it adds to the life of the person. Because what does it say? It says it's Eitz Chaim, it's the tree of life. That's the value of of uh, of marpeloshin, and selavba. If a person does the opposite, is, uh, is is so then heaven forbid it could really really break a person like malbin panov, like to embarrass the person. And he goes on to speak about how the illness which is caused by words is worse than chayli haguf. Uh, a breakdown of the spirit is worse in any way than 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 chayli haguf. Now, this is what he says. Now, you read this, you think that the chayli nefesh the breakdown, as he says, is humiliating somebody, embarrassing somebody. What must be mar peloshen chayim? It must be that, uh, you know, helping somebody have a stronger spirit, a good word, an encouraging word. That's the mar peloshen, that eitz chayim, give people encouragement, give people, you know, a, a, a bright light on their lives, a bright light on the day. I don't think he says otherwise, except he goes on to say a different idea in Mar Peloshen Chaim, and he says as follows. nefesh we're talking about here is not embarrassment or bad feeling, which again is also a chayli nefesh. But what he says we're seeing about is a person who has the wrong belief systems, chayli nefesh in the fullest spiritual sense. A person who has biyado emunara, they have in their hands a false faith, a false belief. And he goes on and he says, Vim dibur haloshen shenosan ba'adam asher imai, yeish la yisren al-shar ba'alei chayim, efshar ba'alei rapais lumishi yeish lechei le'anefesh u'lekarvais le'tachas ganfei ashkina. With the power of speech that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to people, a power which is an advantage that people have over other living things, we're able to heal this chayli nefesh. We're able to share 
what the true belief system is. We're, we're able to share that which is right, that which is correct, that which is good, and to therefore give a person chayim ha'amitim hanitzchim, true and eternal life. Where do we find this? We find this Avramavinu. Avramavinu used his and he used his power of speech to draw so many people to Emuna and Hashem. That was Avramavinu. Right? And soon he's going to come back and plug it in and say that the same thing was true here in our Parsha, that Moshe Rabbeinu went, Moshe Rabbeinu told his father-in-law all of the amazing things that happened. He wasn't just telling him stories. Moshe Rabbeinu was helping to draw Yisrael, who was already inclined, but to draw Yisrael more fully into the, into the world of Kanfei Ashkina, into the sheltering wing of Hashem's presence. So that's what he speaks about, the idea that with the power of speech, with words, we're able to draw people to do the right thing, to believe the right things. Heaven forbid a person could draw them to the wrong things too. But listen, why am I why I'm telling you this thing from the from the from the Rabbeinu Bachya? Is because in the midst here he says Pshat. He gives an explanation of a language which is found in in, in Chazal. It's a Gemara Bava Basra, where it says that Margolis there was a gemstone hanging around the neck of Avram Avinu. Any ill person who saw it would immediately be healed. And when Avram died, it was taken away. And he put that gem in the sun. Now, what does that mean? But what does it mean? He had a gemstone around his neck. That was what it was. And and and, and like like what what does this mean? So you know we hear you hear such a medrash. Not sure what it means. Maybe somebody will say a fancy, interesting pshat. You'll say, ah, okay, you know, homiletic. Listen to what Rabbeinu Bachya, the Rishon, what he said the pshat was. He said the gemstone which was hanging around his neck means that the, the healing quality of Avramavinu came from his throat. It came from his words. The gemstone which was hanging around Avramavinu's neck wasn't that, oh, wow, you know, there's a special thing, you know, something out of a science fiction film, you gaze at it, right, and suddenly it turns you well, or something out of the chumash by the nachash, the snake, that you looked at it, and, and then the, the copper snake, and everything was okay. The, the, the gem that was around Avramavinu's neck was Avramavinu's teachings to the world of Emunah and Hashem. And that healed the world, healed their physical illnesses. What it healed was the essence of the world. It healed the soul of the world. That was the gem that was around his neck. And he says, what does it mean that when Avramavinu died, he went and he hung it on the Galgal Chama, says the, says the, the Rabbeinu Bachya. Avraham left no successor who was able to talk to people and teach people about HaKadosh Baruch Hu like Avraham himself. So what was it? What would teach people about the Rabbi Nishlelem? HaShemayim Misaprim Kivayit Keel. The heavens speak of the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What Avraham did was he brought out to people Amun and Hashem. Without Avraham 
we're going to have to learn it from the world itself, from the physical world around us, from the sun, the brilliant sun that teaches us about the Rabbi Mishra. That's the way he learned the Pshat in this Medrash. I think it's a very, very significant, very beautiful thing. You could think about it. Right? Avram Vino had a gem that hung around his neck. Right? The, the power of a good word, of a wise word, of a teaching word, to be able to heal, to be able to heal one another. It's a, it's a beautiful explanation of the beautiful explanation of the Medrash. Parshas Yisrael is the story of a Jew who comes, a person who comes, excuse me, not a Jew, a person who comes from the nations of the world, hearing everything which happened to the Jewish people, and coming to attach themselves to Kal Yisrael, to attach himself to Kal Yisrael in the most positive way. What was the last thing we read in last week's Parsha? It was Amalek. It was a nation of the world that came. They heard what happened to the Jewish people, and they came, and what did they do? They fought us. And Chazal make this note, and so on. There's a difference between how Amalek responds to what they heard and what they saw and the way Yisrael responds to what he heard and what he saw. And writes the Amalek and Yisrael are put next to each other because they are polar opposites. Amalek, listen to how he fleshes it out. Amalek is Ben Esav HaKarev Amalek is our cousin. He's a descendant of Esav. Esav is our twin, bro- the twin brother of our, our, our Zedi Yaakov. Osimonu Ra, he did bad to us. Shabami Merchak, Lehilachim, Kenegdenu Bamir, he came from a great distance to fight against us. The Yisrael, Shayamin Haumais, Yisrael, who wasn't related to us. Yisrael, who came from the nations, okay, from Midian. Go back a little bit more, maybe. He did with us good. Right? Maisha Rabbeinu says to him, which means you were, you would be. And to each one we're supposed to repay in kind. Amalek is destroyed. And Yisrael, what do we say? You'll see that in the story of, of, of Amalek, it will say that Shaul, uh, pulled out the Keni from the midst of Amalek before he went and he waged, waged war against Amalek. So that's a, that's a contrast. Parshat Yisrael begins in contrast to what we encountered at the end of the Parsha, which is the Parsha of Amalek and their enmity, their very, very significant enmity to the Jewish people. Everyone knows that the Parsha of Yisrael surrounds the instruction that Yisrael gave to Maishra Rabbeinu, the guidance which Yisrael gave to Maishra Rabbeinu, about having a system of courts, not to do it all himself. And he says to him, you shall, you will see from the entirety of the people, all these different qualities, he says. So there are two amazing things that Rabbeinu Bachya says on this pasuk. And the first one is, what does it mean, v'ata techeza? What does it mean, techeze? Techeze is like, v'sechaze no eneinu, you should see. You should see from all of the people, this kind of person, that kind of person. Why doesn't it say, you should choose? In fact, when it gets down to it, what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? What does the Pesach say? Vayivchar Moshe. Moshe chose from amongst the Jewish people. So why doesn't it say, v'ata tivchar? Why does it say, v'ata techeze? It says, 
Rabbeinu Bachia. Man sees what's with what he sees with his eyes, the superficial, whereas God sees to the heart of the person. He says, you will see, you will see who's you. Moshe Rabbeinu, who would be the ultimate Navi, you're going to have to see. It's going to have to be with your eyes. And that's going to be the eyes of a chazon, the eyes of a nevuah. Without nevuah, how are you going to know what's going on over here? You'll see people, are you going to know that they're Yireh Kim? Are you going to know that they're people of Emes? How do, you, how do you do that with your eyes? So he didn't just tell them choose. He said you have to use the vision. And that's the unique Moshe vision, which they had, which was the vision of Nevoah. And without that, he wouldn't be able to. And then, I have an alternative. Just by looking at their face. From the wisdom of being able to read faces knew how to do that. He was the most perfect of people, the greatest amongst the prophets, a wise man to secrets. And therefore he says, you have to see, because to you, it's written all over their faces. It's very different. The first one is, the person doesn't have the ability to see. With Nevoah, you'll be able to see. The second one is, you could be wise enough and you're going to be able to, uh, to, uh, to do the same thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, in the bottom, uh, the Magia, Rabbi Shevel, brings the Zayar Kodesh Yisrael who speaks about this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to identify them by the way that they looked. So that's one piece of what Rabbeinu Bachya says. But the other piece, he says, is the following. What are the qualities that the Pasuk lists over here when it, when it speaks about the qualifications for judges? So Rabbeinu Bachir says the first one is Anshei Chayil. And Anshei Chayil means something general, people who know how to treat the people with justice. And then it lists Anshei Emes, people of truth. God-fearing people, people who hate botza, who hate profit, who hate gain. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, Come see the strength and the greatness of character, of Midas. Tell me something. When the Torah sings the praises of Noach, of Avram, of Yaakov, does it tell you how smart they were? No. It's about their character. By Nech it says, By Avram it says, In instruction. By Yaakov, Very humble. And of course, what he's implying here is the same thing in these psukim. Who are the people that you want to choose? Does it say 4.0 GPO? GPA? Does it say, you know, this smart or that brilliant? No, it says God-fearing, people of truth, people who aren't so interested in money and in profit. 
This is all to teach that the mainstay of wisdom is correct, proper midas. And he says, just like when you look at a tree, what you think of is the fruits. When you look at a person, you should think of the midas. And so Chazal Darshant. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Greatness, great success to all those who do them. It doesn't say to those who learn it. To those who do it. Not to those who learn it, but to those who do it. The mantle of leadership, the mantle of the Anshechayil, was given to those who were God-fearing, truth-seeking non-materialistic, pursuing people. Because character is where the action is. It was a famous thing. Somebody once came to Rav Chatzka Levenstein, and they said they were looking for a shidduch. And they wanted to know what are the three most important qualities that one should look for in someone for a shidduch, in a young man. And Rav Chatzka Levenstein said three, three things. That's one of the most important qualities. He said three things. What are they? He said, Midas, Midas, and Midas. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, the Aves had a lot going for them, but all the Torah speaks about is Midas. Avram, Midas. Yaakov, Midas. Nayach, Midas. Mesha, Midas. And secondly, choose judges. Who do you want? People of character. That's what we want. People of character. You got to know where the action is. That's where the action is. Okay. Now, as you know, this uh, parsha is the parsha of Matan Taira. And uh, I'll say over one little thing that Rabbi Nobachia puts in here, which is as Hashem <laughs> proposes to the Jewish people. He says, You saw what I did to Egypt, and I lifted you up on the wings of eagles, and I brought you to me. Says Rabbeinu Bachir, why does he start with that? Now, if you would have asked me, I would have said he started with that to show, you know, I did so much for you. I did so much for you. Don't you realize? Do you feel indebted? Do you feel, oh, Hashem wants to have a connection with us? All possible. And to some degree, Kanfei Neshorim, even Rabbeinu Bach, you learn, like Rashi, Kanfei Neshorim was Hashem was so protective of us. Didn't want any harm to come to us. Shows how much Hashem loves us. But he says, the first thing, without the Marisa Mashir Asisim is to show them Hashgocha, divine providence. When Hashem destroys one nation because of their sins and chooses another nation, saves another nation because of their merits, that's a sign of divine providence. That shows you reward and punishment. And therefore, that's why it says, You saw what I did to Mitzrayim. You saw that goodness matters, heaven forbid that the opposite matters. That's the beginning. That's the aside, as he writes, Ikar HaTorah, the root of the Torah. What you do matters. 
And that was demonstrated to us in Mitzrayim. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you saw, it makes a difference. And now you want to be my nation and I'll really show you how one can gain the position of Tzitkos. Because the Mitzrayim were punished? Yeah. The Mitzrayim were punished and the Jews were spared. Okay. I want to... Uh, to uh, go a little further into the Aser Sadevres, you have great, great, great arichos in the Aser Sadevres, especially in the first commandment, etc. But listen to uh, to something he says, a very nice little thing that Rabbeinu Bachya says on uh, You should not have other gods in my presence, writes Rabbeinu Bachya. Person should not accept upon himself as a god any of the forces that are malachim, that are angels, that are called alekim. Not from any of the other forces of the stars, etc. Don't believe in them. Why are they called alekim acherim? Why are they called other gods? So he brings the sifri, al kihem acherim They are like strangers to those who worship them. They're called Elohim Acherim because of their indifference. We dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not indifferent. They pray, nothing happens to the indifferent. Dover Acher Acherim, Hayem Shal Zav, Lomachar Shekhetzer, Lomachar Shel Eitz. Acherim, they're called other gods, is because they're always changing. The Rabbanish Shalom, those who serve the Rabbanish, must serve the Rabbanish Shalom straight in a ways. Elohim Acherim, you know, which God is its style today? Gold, maybe white gold, right? Wood, retro, maybe brushed nickel, I don't know. You know, so so like, like what's the Elohim Acherim? The gods that are constantly changing. That's another way, interesting. But then Rabbi Nubachia says, Pshat, I, I never, never saw this from anybody, but he says it, beautiful, beautiful Pshat. And he says, Acherim means that they're others, meaning they're dependent on others. The regular status of anything in the world is that it's an acher, it's another. Why is it another? It's another to something else. Something else, someone else that created it. He created something else, an acher. And when we look at the world and we look at worship, we have two choices. One choice is we can worship something which, if you see it, has power, but that power isn't its own. Its power is granted to it by something else. And then you could speak about the God who's not Acher, who's not another, but he is Echad, he's the one. He's not dependent on anything else. When we speak about serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu as opposed to serving others, we're identifying the source of all existence the one who exists and is not dependent on anything else. Hashem Echad. Others would say Hashem Acher. Now, Rahman al the Gemara says, you have to be careful. Right? Imagine one little drop of ink can, can, be, can destroy the world, can destroy a belief system. If you take that little dalit off of the back of the Echad, it becomes Acher. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Acher. What does it mean Hashem Acher? What does it mean Hashem Acher? But Hashem Acher means, according to this, that He's second to someone else. He's dependent on something else. The Echad is absolute independence. And that's what Elohim Acherim perhaps means. 
with not being mekabel me'acher, not accepting from um, from somebody else. Right? They're kolacherim because they do accept their power from somebody else. The one that doesn't accept from anybody else, the Rabbanu Shalom, he is going to be considered the echad, the one, the one and only. We'll go on a little bit here, and we know that Rabbeinu Bachya here has a, a very big arichus, again, a very lengthy discussion when it comes to taking Hashem's name in vain, what does that mean? And then to Shabbos. And the mitzvah of Zohar es yoim, HaShabbos L'Kadshay. So I want to just um, mention to you a couple of things which are found here in a lengthy exposition Rabbeinu Bachya has when it comes to the, uh, the mitzvah of Shabbos. One is he brings a medrash, the Asakasha that was late, later made famous by others. And that is, Im kein elekechem lam huayse melacha b'shabbos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was the original one to keep Shabbos. He kept it in Shabbos Bereshus. So they asked him, why does your God do melacha on Shabbos? To which he said, what do you mean, what work? So he says he does the same thing on Shabbos as he does during the week. He provides the sun, the moon, the clouds, the fruits. So Rabbi Akiva said, I want to teach you a halacha. And you have to understand what this medrash means. He just quotes it. I know that you're Baki, you're expert in the Torah of the Jews. Two people live in one chater. What happens? Each one gives each other the Eruv. They share food. And then they're allowed to carry on Shabbos. But an individual who lives, he lives in one chotzer, it could be as big as the city of Antioch, who, he can carry in his courtyard where there's a wall because nobody shares the rishus with him. So he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the same thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the throne his, his throne is the heavens, the earth is his footstool, he fills the world. Nobody else has the ability to do anything. Now, how's he answering the question? He doesn't say how he's answering the question. Right? How does it how does it answer the question? Is Akarish Baruch Hu not keeping Shabbos? It's hard to understand, but this is the this is what he brings here from the Medrash. But then he goes on and he says as follows. He brings two halachas, two practices, which have to do with not drinking water, not drinking water on Erev Shabbos and not drinking water towards the end of Shabbos. Right? We try to be careful not to drink plain water. What's the reason? So Rabbeinu Bachir brings reason. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch, the one about the end of Shabbos. And the reason which is brought is because it's somehow stealing from the Neshamais in Gan Eden. What does that mean? Explains Rabbeinu Bachia that we have to understand that the Shabbos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Shabbos in heaven. It's not just the Shabbos down here. But he also doesn't run his operations in heaven on Shabbos. And he doesn't punish the Rishoyim or people who deserve punishment on Shabbos. And therefore we want to have accessible to them before Shabbos, at the end of Shabbos, the waters that could perhaps be mitzanin for them, that could cool down for them their fate. 
That's the idea which Chazal expressed. Very mystical, very unusual idea, but it's written in the Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchus Shal Shudas, not to drink water at that point in time. And the idea being, to some degree, that at the beginning of Shabbos, when HaKadosh Baruch is taking the souls out from Gehenna, because HaKadosh Baruch doesn't punish on Shabbos, so, so you want that water to be accessible to them for their own cooling purposes. That's one thing, one interesting thing, which he... Uh, uh, which he says in here. And again, there are many, many such things. But he has a beautiful discussion towards the end where he speaks about it being a day of the Spirit, completely a day of the, of the Spirit. But listen to some claim of art, a short thought, which Rabbeinu Bachya says, which really is fantastic. He says that he's saying it over in the name of the Ramam. He heard it in the name of the Ramam. It doesn't sound like he saw it in the Ramam himself. So it says here, six days you shall work, six days you shall work, and you shall do, you shall do all the work that you have to do. Says Rabbeinu Bach, you know what that means? It means six days you should be tavayid, you should serve Hashem. Simultaneously with, when you're doing all of your work. You can do both. Avram Avinu wasn't a shepherd. Yitzchak Avinu wasn't a farmer. They did material things. And you could be oived ve'asisa You could be, what do they call it on the website? A worker learner. Earner. Right? Turner. Right? You got, you got the, whole, the whole spiel, right? The, right? More, uh, more acronyms than, than, than who knows what. Says Rabbeinu Ba'achia, Kol Sheishas Yomim Efshelcha Shetavid Hashem Yisbarach Im Asiyas Kol Machta. The six days you can do Avodah, you can serve Hashem together with Vasisa Kol Machtecha, doing, taking care of your needs. Avol Yem Ashvi. What does the pasuk say? Shabbos Lashem Alekech. It's all for the sake of Hashem. So what, what does, uh, what does that mean? On Shabbos you don't divide your time between doing for the material and trying to maintain some kind of a connection. To the spiritual on Shabbos, completely Lashem Alekech. Again, speaking to the you know that 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 reality, the limited reality which we which we all face. Honor your father and your mother. What does the pasuk say? In order that you should have long life, you should have good life. So the question is. Why specifically over here does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say I'm promising rewards for Kibbutz aim of long life? Why does that get promised here by this mitzvah, not by anything else? So listen to Rabbeinu Bachya. Rabbeinu Bachya is very practical, very 21st century kind of thing that he says here. That which the war, the war, the reward which was designated for honoring one's parents is lengthy days. Hagoyin Rav Sadia Zal, Rav Sadia Goyin said, Because time can come when the parents and children will co-inhabit their world for a long time. A person could, 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 um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the father can live very, very, very long. And it could become burdensome to the children. And this giving of, of, of honor will therefore be very hard for them. 
Why? Because they're waiting for the parent to move on. And yet they have an obligation to be mechabe them, to honor them. That's why Hashem gave specifically this reward. You'll have a long life. He says, live with them. Take care of them. If you say, ah, they're so old and gemutshet, and by the time they finish, you know, what's going to, uh, what's going to be with, with them? So he says that you have to have, that they, they have to, um, there, there has to be a commitment, and the commitment is going to be based on the fact that don't worry, you'll have a long life as a result of this. This isn't taking away from your life. You'll have a long life as a result of this. So the schar of is because people might have said, let's shorten things so that we don't have this tircha, this difficulty. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, go, throw yourself into it. You won't lose, you won't lose out on life because of this. The opposite, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there to step in to do, to make, to make more, to give more of a program, more of an opportunity for those who are there to be able to, to, to um, fulfill it. I, I would just mention that, I, I've mentioned this certainly to some of you before, that it says about a person who does Shnai Mikrovecha Targum, goes over the parsha properly every week, also that they give him lengthy days and years. So Ramesh Feinstein said, why is that? He says, because everybody I know, he says, says, I don't have time to be my Sedra. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you be my Sedra, I'll give you time. Very clever. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, you know, a lot of the conundrums which people face with aging parents is if they're so happy with the aging, that they, they'll, they'll complain, the children will complain, will wonder. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, go, go, go for it. So you'll have long, you'll have long life. And that long life, again, you're not, you're not wasting life. You're, you're using it you know, very, very well, and it won't take anything away. Won't take any way from the person, from what the person's ultimate goals are, from, from what the person ultimately wants to uh, want to have. That's the basic ideas that I wanted to share with you that are here from from Ravenu Bachi on the parsha. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Um, he has a beautiful discussion about Einig Shabbos, and how Einig is completely a matter of the spirit Tanug Hanafashis, as it says. So and so on. And uh, you know many, many, many nice and beautiful, and and uh, and beautiful things. Ooh, let me tell you something more about Shabbos because we're 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 early. So I'll tell you something more about Shabbos and Gan Eden. He says about Shabbos and the mitzvah. He says this world functions with cycles of light and of darkness, day and night. Why is that? He says Hakadosh Baruch Hu did it. Because people need to rest. They need to rest. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created natural cycles in nature where work stops. So people have a chance to rest. Rabbeinu Bachya didn't know about blue light. Right? You know, he didn't know about, the, about uh, you know, being on all the time. Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in, because of this desire, he, he made that part of the rhythm of the world. 
If the world was always lit, people would have to work all the time. Their employers would never end the day. And he says, um, and the world couldn't exist. If people are working all the time, the world can't exist. The more people are working, sometimes the harder it is for things to exist. Cain mitzvah has Shabbos, and the same thing is the mitzvah of Shabbos. The mitzvah of Shabbos is like Baruch Hu want to put in the rhythm of people that they shouldn't be matriach the briyas ba'amal tadiri b'chol hayamim, that they're toiling every day. Ella, she'elam yeyem nucha b'shavua. They should have one day of rest in a week. She'anichu ba'min min hamalachis u'miterach hagufes. He should rest from malachis and from the difficulties of the body. U'mizeh yeh. And from this, the seventh of a person's life are peaceful and quiet. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Shabbos. So we should have such a thing called Menucha. Menucha Ukedusha. Somebody just happened to send to me today. You know, we, we have a shir on Sunday mornings where we're learning Bereshus Be'iun on this past Sunday. We didn't have a, a sea and we should have had a barbecue. Uh, you know, even it was only nine thirty in the morning. Um, but we, but uh, we, we relearned the last pasuk in Parshas Brachos, and the last pasuk in Parshas Brachos is V'nayach Motzah Chain Be'Enei Hashem. Nayach found favor in the eyes of Hashem. So he sent me something. This person sent me something which Rav Pam brought in his sefer, which is from, I forget which the what the source of it is exactly. Could probably find it, but it says there that Nayach Motzah Chain Be'Enei Hashem. Nayach is peacefulness. So it found favor in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was the ability for a person to have peacefulness. The, the, the quality which we get on Shabbos is menucha, menucha, kedusha, peacefulness. goes a long way. creates a great deal. That's v'nayach, matzachin v'nei Hashem. Rest, peacefulness. And that's what he's saying over here. In a certain sense, the derech ha'seichel of Shabbos is just get off the treadmill. And have a good show. <laughs>